honestly, it's really just your perspective because you have a different one from what, because of your circumstances, because of your worldview or whatever. It can, you don't have to like reinvent the wheel with every contribution. Boy, this conversation really hit home for me, uh, Erica. I don't know about you, but I definitely suffer from imposter syndrome from time to time as a professional, as a well, just in general, but I think we, you know, we spent a lot of time talking with with Brian today about how you take that that feeling and actually translate it into benefit on your own personal brand for your company for your brand uh, efforts. Yeah, I love his journey to overcoming imposter syndrome and some of his tips and tricks. I think you know, not reinventing the wheel, but just adding different perspective was a really powerful point that he made. And again, I think as marketers, we're all, you know, we struggle with that. We want to put out there things that are going to be helpful, uh, you know, to the world, but it can be intimidating. Everyone's got a lot of good things that they're, that they're up to and really appreciated his perspective and in this conversation. Absolutely. Uh, and I, uh, well, I'm Daniel with Convince and Convert. She's Erica with ICUC. And if this idea of imposter syndrome speaks to you, you definitely want to tune in to this episode with Brian Honigman. He's the founder and uh, chief at Honigman Media. He is an independent uh, consultant, marketing consultant. He is also a professor. So we're, we go into some of the things that he has learned as uh, not only a practitioner of this work, as also as a teacher. But before we do that, we have some exciting news to share with you. If you have not heard during this year's content marketing awards, the Social Pros podcast, that's this very podcast, placed first in best podcast and audio series. And that's really due to you, our community of listeners. Are, uh, we truly can't thank everyone enough for listening to our episodes over the years and giving us all of the support and all of the love that you have shared. Uh, now, before we get into the show today, we highly recommend you go check out our amazing show sponsor, ICUC. ICUC are experts in online and social media community management, and they're here to remind the world that there are real humans behind brands. ICUC creates the space where tech meets power, human power, by moderating, listening, and holding real conversations with customers on behalf of enterprise brands at a global scale. ICUC provides strategic support and fills customer care gaps as an extension of your team 24-7, 365 days a year in any language and on every social channel. Head to icuc.social to schedule a consultation, talk strategy, and see how they can support you. That's icuc.social. Time is precious for social media professionals, especially in a landscape where things are changing every day. We know this really well, which is why our team at Convince and Convert developed a free social media bundle that will help you execute, execute an A-class social audit. The bundle includes an evaluation checklist for your social media efforts, nine different metrics that matter uh, as an ebook, content calendar template, a social media policy template, all the stuff that you need really to evaluate your social media efforts. You can download that free bundle today at bit.ly.social, uh, pardon me, bit.ly uh, slash social audit bundle. That's bit.ly slash social audit bundle. And now here's Brian Honigman of Honigman Media.
Brian Honigman, uh, founder and marketing consultant at Honigman Media. Thank you so much for being part of our Social Pros community, for being on the podcast today. We're excited to talk with you. Excellent. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks uh, to you both for having me. Excited to chat and geek out about all things social media. Yeah, and we we were talking a little bit before we started recording uh, to this week's episode just about um, some of the the areas you uh, you cover and uh, areas where you have a lot of expertise. Uh, of course, as a as a marketing consultant, uh, you probably are a, a person who wears many hats and is uh, good at a lot of different uh, social platforms and. And things like that, but we talked a lot about, or a little about personal branding. I thought maybe we would start our conversation uh, on that topic simply because it's not something we talk about often on the show, uh, specifically. But it is something relevant to every single member of our social pros community, just our own career trajectories and the things that we should be thinking about and paying attention to. So I thought we would start there, and we um, uh, kind of kick it off. So. Uh, you had indicated you've spent a lot of your own personal branding efforts, especially in the last couple of years, really focused on LinkedIn. Tell me more about what led you to that decision, what you've learned about what's working for you on the personal branding side on LinkedIn. Yeah, uh, I've been really focused on kind of promoting my business and my my ideas and thoughts on marketing and courses and all different kinds of stuff related to what I do and the topics I'm interested in professionally on LinkedIn, because that's where a lot of the customers that I would potentially, uh, you know, work with are, are active and that they're in the right, uh, frame of mind. Sure. All my customers, um, are on a m multiple platforms, but they, when they're scrolling through TikTok, let's say, or Instagram, they may not be thinking about their company's marketing needs. Um, whereas like the intent is there a little bit more with LinkedIn. Um, so just like in a natural place to talk about work-related subject matter. Um, I used to be active um, on a variety of places on Twitter and Facebook in the early days, et cetera. And just over the years, I'm a one-person shop. I do some, uh, have some like freelancers work with me on certain projects, but I'm just only have so much time in the day to um, do the actual work, onboard clients, you know, all the aspects and then promote myself. So I've just, over the years, just continued to narrow in on what I enjoy, uh, what uh, is continuing to drive results. Um, yeah, and it seems just like a, a nice, um, yeah, a nice mix of those. It's like, what's driving results? What do I enjoy? Where it's sort of the least amount of friction? And then also for LinkedIn, this is a uh, kind of a specific thing is I teach for LinkedIn learning their um, e-learning solution. So like I'm very in the LinkedIn world. So it's a natural, it'd be very weird if I wasn't active on LinkedIn, but have courses on their platform. So it's a nap, it was just a natural next step. But um, I've been publishing on LinkedIn for a long time um, before they got uh, the social network got so focused on supporting creators and allowing you to publish articles and stuff. And I would just post articles I was reading, um, what I'm doing in social, cool campaigns from others or myself. And in those early days, I would remember like not other marketers per se, but like friends or people in my life would be like, I always see your stuff on LinkedIn. I always just see your things always popping up because it wasn't very common to publish on LinkedIn. 
I don't know how many years, like six years ago, seven uh, plus, it was like, if you did, you, you would pretty much pop up at the top of your, your network's feed. So anyways, that was like a, an indication to keep going there. And then something else, like I always think about where's the attention on social media at any given moment. And right now as, uh, sorry, uh, organic attention, you can always pay on all these places. And there's, there's no, there's always anything I say, there's always going to be exceptions, but, um, where is organic attention right now? There's a ton of organic attention on TikTok, of course. Um, there's a ton of, uh, organic attention on LinkedIn. Um, there's a lot of attention, organic attention on YouTube right now for a variety of reasons. So I always try to pay attention to that, of course, and like incorporating that in client work, but LinkedIn, um, you can get a lot of visibility wow, without having to pay for it. Um, so that's also another, um, aspect, especially, uh, individuals. So as we're talking about personal branding, you can really connect with people and share what you're working on, on a consistent basis on LinkedIn and get a lot of visibility without the same level of work that would be required on like an Instagram or Twitter as an individual trying to, you know, let people know what they're doing in their career. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I spend a lot of time kind of thinking about LinkedIn. I, I always say I should be better at it for my own, my own brand, my own, myself than I, than I am. I think a lot of people feel that it's, there is sort of an imposter syndrome on LinkedIn, I think. Uh, that any professional goes through, um, you know, what do you find works really well for, for you anyway? Do, do you publish a lot of long form sort of like long thought pieces, uh, short posts? Um, what are uh, the kind of things that, that you find, uh, again, at least for you work really well? So pretty much a mix. I put out every type of, and that's, Typically, my advice to uh, an individual on LinkedIn is like they really want the algorithm likes this and then also allows you to test the reaction from different uh, folks is like putting out all different kinds of content, whether it's uh, just a purely text post, uh, an image with a caption, a video. I, so I pretty much do a mix of everything. But the kind of universal answer is like content that keeps people on LinkedIn tends to perform the best. Uh, probably across the, that's really for all social networks is instead of having them go click on your article elsewhere, how, you know, embed the full long form article right then and there. So there's less friction They're you know, they're in the same, uh, you know, I was planning to scroll LinkedIn. I want to stay on LinkedIn. Um, you know, it's, it's harder to get people to move elsewhere. Um, so yeah, just from like a, like tactical types of content stuff, but I typically in terms of like the actual subject matter, um, uh, Typically, in terms of the subject matter, um, I'm talking about um, new things happening in social media, new things happening in marketing more broadly, um, highlighting like work accomplishments that always does well, um, like any kind of milestone, um, trying to like showcase what others are doing that I think is cool to, to, to drive a conversation. Um, but yeah, pretty much it's like social media, career-related stuff. Um, on like how to succeed in your career um, and kind of like what's happening in, in my, you know, in my like day-to-day work life. So try to do that kind of subject matter mix. So it's not just like, look at me, look at me, look how great I am. It's like, let's talk about <laughs> some other stuff in the, in the, in the field that's a lot more applicable to other people. So. 
Brian, I loved hearing about your experience with LinkedIn, you know, from those early days, your friends may be giving you a hard time to where we are, where we are today. I also love, you know, talking to a LinkedIn professor, a lot to unpack with your teaching experience and your heart for, you know, not only just on LinkedIn, but, you know, being an adjunct professor for Kellogg University. I think it's just super cool, the, the work that you're doing and the heart that you have to teach the future of marketing. So, We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but on LinkedIn and its evolution, uh, you know, I've signed up for creator mode. I've, you know, also dabbled in a lot of the cool bells and whistles and features. And I would just love, you know, to hear from you, what is are some of your favorite features that LinkedIn's rolled out and what are some of your go-to features, you know, more recently? Again, the channels are all competing with each other. Who who's the next TikTok, Instagram or TikTok? I don't know, but um, really would just love to hear, you know, your your favorite bells and whistles rolling out on LinkedIn here recently. Yeah. Um, so one I actually do like, which uh, I like the ability to do live LinkedIn lives or like live events um, on LinkedIn. And like that is pretty counterintuitive to my preferences anywhere else. I typically do not like any of the lives on any social network, they're so rarely useful. Um, that's like a criticism of brands, of celebrities. I don't know. Sometimes there's an interesting one. It's just so hard. I think it's like really uh, being overly pushed. I don't think that has the adoption from like actual consumers, but um, I actually like it on LinkedIn. Uh, again, of course, the subject matter matters is important. I think the context really makes sense of having two people or three people like have a discussion uh, about uh, an important business topic or something, you know, related to professional life. And it's like, a, it feels like a webinar that you can kind of pop into for even a shorter period of time. And if it's interesting, you say it, and if, and if you pop out, you know, you leave if you don't. And obviously you can do the same with a webinar, but a webinar still feels like a little more friction. I have to sign up. I have to like go find the link. Um so anyways, I like that. I, I think there is a lot of potential for like on, continuing uh, virtual event, virtual events on LinkedIn specifically because the context is there. And um, yeah, uh, what else? I like, um, what are they calling it now? They have a new uh, like carousel feature. Like know how on um, Instagram, it's very popular now to do like a quote unquote photo dump and you put like, eight photos in the, in this, like this little gallery. I think that is a really useful feature on LinkedIn because you can get a lot more, um, context across using something like uh, visually engaging. Um, they've always kind of had this as like, a almost like a PDF upload where you can like scroll through multiple pages of whatever it is, uh, whatever the resource is. And I just thought that was like, um, interesting because it's adds some nice, like, uh, opportunity for some visual storytelling with whatever you're publishing about. Uh, and then also not that many people used it because it re uh, required a, a little bit more effort. So that doesn't mean that not a lot of people you like uh, react and see the content interact with, but not that many people would post with that type because it requires this like extra little lift. So that's like an opportunity for individuals, for brands. Um, and they just uh, tweaked uh, the carousel feature to give you these like, um, easier to up and because they're recognized you know this isn't like you know nda stuff or anything I'm, i don't have any secrets uh on linkedin's latest things but i imagine they were having that same problem of like this is the least used 
type of content on LinkedIn, or sorry, like the least, the one that folks are creating the, 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 the least, but the most amount of people or a significant amount of people are interacting with. So they just uploaded like all these like Canva templates to make the creating content with carousels more, uh, more simplistic to remove some of the friction. So I like that. I think that's fun. And then those are like kind of cool bells and whistles. I just like the straightforward writing out, you know, text focused posts. Those tend to do the best. And it's like the most clear cut way. Like it's so easy to get caught in the marketing world to get in the um, get caught in like the marketing fortune cookie, like one sentence, like words of wisdom thing. It's uh, someone else uh, phrase that, but it's just like these, like you're, once you become a certain level, you like say everything in these like short, cool sentences. But anyways, um, I like those because they're just straightforward and it's like, there's no bells and whistles. It's just trying to share something interesting. It's, it's simplistic for someone to interact with it. And often when you see content that's trending on LinkedIn, it's, more often than not, it's purely just text with no links, of course. Um, so yeah, those are some that, that come to mind. No, I, I think those bells and whistles and some of the new features have been really, really beneficial, especially for engagement. And again, I think it's LinkedIn's effort to really reward those who are trying new things and wanting to make a better environment for those who are creating content in, in the space. I think it was either you or Daniel who touched on something pretty important around imposter syndrome. And I'd love, you know, I think that for all of us who are on LinkedIn sharing our points of view, I even spoke to a pretty senior level marketer just last week about how to overcome imposter syndrome. And, you know, Brian, again, as as someone who's putting out a lot of thought leadership, is really passionate about this space. What's your what's your advice? How do you how do we as marketers overcome that when we're navigating, especially LinkedIn? That that to me is the place where marketers are really struggling with this specifically. Totally. Yeah, this is super common. I don't think um, like as marketers to be successful, you don't necessarily have to be the one that's center stage in front of the camera, have this strong personal brand like it is not a requirement. It's a nice to have. Um, there's so many really amazing marketers out there where you don't see their story everywhere on social media. So that's like a, a, an important call out here. Um, but everyone has this cause it, you know, doing your job and you're behind the company, it's like, a lot, you know, it's still nerve wracking to push publish. Um, but as an individual, I think like anything else, it just takes doing it repeatedly. Uh, I remember like I've gotten over the, over the, uh, the fear as best possible. Um, cause I've been writing uh, about marketing for years. And like that, I, I remember in the early days of like the higher level of anxiety of publishing the article and what criticism, uh, am I going to get? Or am I, you know, is my writing strong enough for my ideas? Am I too junior? Am I too this, that, whatever. Um, and it just literally gets easier with time just by continually doing it and being like, nothing happened. You know, surely you get some mean comments here and there. And especially if we're really focusing on like what if marketers are going to be talking about marketing, putting their ideas out there. Sure. Uh, There's certainly touchy areas, but this isn't, you know, we're not talking about politics uh, directly per se. So the kind of online flack that you'll get will be pretty low, um, hopefully. Um, So, yeah, repeatedly doing it. Uh, I remember early in my career, this um, blog 
reached out and they're like, do you want to write an article for us? And I remember sitting at my desk being like, I kind of want to say no, so I don't have to deal with the, you know, the tension or the, uh, you know, putting myself out there, trying something new. And like, I, I think about all the time how happy I am that I was just like, go for it, do it. Um, so when it comes to like, um, not just like writing, but like just putting yourself out there on LinkedIn or whatever, it's just making a consistent effort, like maybe once a month at a minimum, just putting yourself out there, giving like the world an update as to where you're at. Uh, I think there's, I know I started this off by saying you don't need a personal brand to succeed as, as a marketer, but it really can help take you to whole new levels if people can understand what you're doing in your job beyond, you know, obviously so many of us are remote now, so this analogy doesn't work as much, but when people know what you're working on, like you, you'll have visibility outside the walls of your office, right? So like your, your boss doesn't just know how great you are, but you can kind of signal that to others, which has so many great career benefits. So just start doing it. The worst comes to worst is you get a mean comment randomly, which is like the rarity. And the worst comes to worst is uh, someone won't see that post. Like it won't be seen by many people. Like it just won't get traction and on to the next. I think that's really great. You know, that's a, a really great summary of of career advice uh, on on LinkedIn. I mean, it's it's just the power of like saying yes. I'm gonna give this a try, and you know what? You can always delete the post if you write it. And you think the next next week, I really wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't. Uh, I have a different feeling about that topic. You can always remove it. Um, uh, so it, it, there isn't uh, there isn't necessarily a a right or wrong uh, answer there, but just the, the act of doing it is actually the f- best way to uh, the best way to overcome that kind of imposter syndrome. Is it the best writing? Maybe. Is it the, be- the best you know thinking on that topic? Maybe. It, it's your perspective, and that's what people want to hear. That's that's the takeaway. Is that like you don't have to be? I feel like there's this pressure, and I fall in it sometimes too, where I'm like, oh, this has to be. Um, like something brand new, original, or like the coolest insight on X, Y, and Z. And it's like, honestly, it's really just your perspective because you have a different one from what, because of your circumstances, because of your worldview or whatever, it, it can, you don't have to like reinvent the wheel with every contribution. It's just your perspective. People are looking for that is like perfect. So kudos. That. Do you, yeah. Do you think that that same logic applies in putting personal branding uh, on the back burner for a moment, you know, for the, uh, those managing social media for their brands, do you think that that same logic applies? Or it's like, I don't want to get fired for this decision or this post yeah. or this idea. So I'm going to wait for somebody else to do it first, but then it's kind of not new anymore. Uh, do you, do you see a, a brands that you work with kind of, uh, suffer with from that too? Yeah, it's a great segue. Um, I would say there's certainly more that goes into publishing on behalf of a company. I would say like, oh yeah, just go do it. Post, post, post as an individual. As a company, um, you have to build uh, a certain level of trust in your uh, social media team that they are going to be making, they are empowered with the right guidelines, that they know what they're doing and give them that um, accountability to take risks because that... uh, risks, uh, risk taking, being the first to talk about something, chiming in, sharing your unique perspective as an organization is one of the ways today, especially where you, uh, 
uh, is what leads for you to stand out. Like having a unique perspective as a business in your industry, let's say, um, is really key to, to driving success. Um, and often that's moving quickly to react to something that's happening. Um, not always, it's more so in the, um, B2C space is like reacting quickly to cultural events and trying to bring the brand in. Um, and there just isn't time to, to let everybody, everybody on the team give approval and all these stakeholders, like certain types of decisions need to happen more quickly to get your perspective out there. Um, I was just reading about, um, uh, Sour Patch Kids, that'll work uh, with them, but I've saw, I was reading about a campaign they did where they were, um, Olivia Rodrigo, the pop artist, like put out a new album and it was called Sour and they're Sour Patch Kids. So they just hopped on it right away. Just so simplistic. It was like, I, I forget the exact tweet, but it was something like this made our day or like something just like witty and conversation better than that, but <laughs> quick and to the point reacting to it, bringing themselves in. And it led to like a whole collaboration with the brand. They like, it took off and gave them all this attention and, um, I don't know, for me, like the takeaway on their perspective there is that they're like quirky and in they're cool and it's like a candy brand. It's like light and, and, um, supposed to like come across as young and with it. And like that really matches the artist there. So, um, yeah, gotta, gotta move quickly, um, sometimes, but yeah, having a perspective as a brand is important. Um, I, uh, was just working with uh, earlier this year, this, uh, nonprofit that um <clears throat> has a multiple schools uh that are in israel and they're integrated palestinian students uh, arab students and israeli students and this is the only uh um, group of schools in the country where classrooms are mixed because in israel i learned from working on this project that uh, uh jewish students have different levels of uh, faith, go to different schools in the public schools uh, sector. Um, and then often Arab students go to different schools in the Israeli school system um, for a variety of reasons. Some not good. Some are pure logistical uh, um, uh, language barriers, right? There's a lot of complexities and a lot of conflict um, uh, in the region about um, uh, relations between different groups. Um, so obviously that's like a really complex, touchy, touchy issue. Um, but what the nonprofit has been able to do consistently is talk about their mission and take a consistent, clear stance on that integrating different groups of people is how we reduce, uh, discrimination, how we, you know, familiar, familiarize, yeah, familiarize ourselves with people that are not like us, that we share spaces with. Um, and that's really worked for them on social media and elsewhere is just consistently. So it's the consistency of it is having a mess messaging that's kind of risky. The whole subject matter is like a lot of touchiness on every angle. Um, yeah. So yeah, being consistent with it, uh, with what they're saying, um, having a perspective on like, this is one of the possible solutions to this very complex, uh, issue. Um, and then being really empathetic to, this is a, an important subject matter in this case, not all brands have this heavy of a, of a topic, 
but really being empathetic of how different sides would potentially interpret the messaging. So um, when we were working on their social media strategy, something like to operationalize this is just really simplistically, here's a list of all the things that are, are the kind of high level subjects that we're happy to cover as part of our mission. Here's the subject matter that we do not touch because there's, you know, certain um, discussions that we don't want to get into. We don't want, we don't want to like almost consider them like a fight, like, you know, where, where do we stand and where are we willing to like support, uh, what kind of uh, stance are we willing to take on a particular issue and other ones we don't want to, uh, get into those, uh, into those, uh, those angles of the discussion. And that's really like a good lesson for all brands is like, all right, what do we stand for? If we're going to have like a strong, like social good, uh, strategy and what are the, uh, areas that like, we don't have to stand against or whatever they, we, we can't stand for everything. That means you stand for nothing. I'm sure like 20 people have said that before, but you have to have like a clear, um, for your perspective, especially as a brand, it has to be a little bit more calculated. It can't just be kind of off the cuff and as authentic as a, as a person. Um, and kind of delineate what do you want to be talking about consistently and what are you uh, not going to be addressing? Um, so yeah, long-winded answer for um, <laughs> having a perspective really does matter as an individual. Um, and it's, it's a little more curated as a company, but it really does make a difference for standing out and for the right reasons. Yeah, I love hearing you know, it's it's really hard working, I think, with really large brands right now because there's so much noise when we're really considering about brand stance. And I love the Olivia Rodrigo example. Um, I'm very, I happen to be very familiar with that one. And I know behind the scenes, uh, some of the success of that was really attributed to social listening. Um, at the end of the day, I think being big kudos to that brand, the team behind it, and and some of their agency partners um, that I happen to to know, they really, really, you know, spend a lot of time listening to their audience. It flagged them to, you know, this sort of moment, uh, the word sour, you know, here you go, you kind of have a match made in heaven, not only for, you know, for the artist, but then for the brand too. And and they um, kind of took it and ran with it. And and it's, it's become a, a firestorm. But um, social listening, I think we can't reiterate enough, you know, can be maybe some of the key to unlocking some of that perspective for for brands. I'd love to hear from you, Brian, um, you know, as you're helping brands navigate the quickness of social, um, you, you touched on that and agility. How are you convincing those stakeholders? Because I think as a consultant, as a freelancer or however you're coming into that relationship, you know, the brand's really looking to you to say, you know, here's how much autonomy my team should or shouldn't have. And what's your, what's your sort of guidance to them? How do you sort of bring them into that journey to say, it's okay to try this or assume this amount of risk? Um, <laughs> you know, how, how do you help in that scenario? Cause I think anyone who's a consultant is, has gone through it, is going through it. But even if you work for the brand, you're still fighting the good fight and trying to have that conversation. Totally. Totally. Yeah, great question. Um, I think it's um, trying to um, relay that the social media manager and the other folks that are you know, on the front line on, on social in particular, that they need to be trusted and respected uh, for the expertise that they bring and, and uh, have like a really specific focus. I think uh, we're getting to a point where like 
uh, well, we've been here a long time, but social media managers are expected to do way too much. They're like expected often to manage nine different channels. And it's just like, let's have some specialization a little bit um, so that there truly are the, we're hiring and empowering folks that have an expertise in whatever, just managing a community on Discord or, you know, being the face of our TikTok account. Um, so I think I really try to push like having trust in the social media manager, the frontline social folks, and then also having a process so that speed, you can maintain speed without um, uh, making sloppy, uh, easy mistakes. We wanna, mistakes will, may happen, but having a process in place, uh, I think you touched on it, Erica, and that like in certain scenarios, we're gonna, you know, we're okay with this level of risk. But if for whatever reason, this subject matter if it's in any of these three buckets of subject matter, it needs to go up the chain to get uh, pro proper approvals. Whereas like, uh, you know, responding to uh, something on Twitter on a, on a, on a non-controversial subject matter, the social media team is empowered to do that and can move forward. And as long as they have a reason as to why they thought it was relevant for the brand. So um, getting uh, everybody to understand and trust in the social media person's expertise and then putting a process in place and saying these category of items um, are going to be in the completely in the social media manager's uh, purview to act on and move quickly. And then anything that's you know more controversial or uh, more complex or would be too much of a commitment for the brand to make just like haphazardly uh, needs to be uh, run up the, the ladder. So yeah, I think um, um, an example of going too slow recently was the uh the, the meme little miss the little miss memes uh i don't even i don't even know what's about i just saw a billion of them and i just felt like i i've been as with every kind of popular trend uh on terms of like uh, uh what brands are chiming in on it lasts way too long because like there's brands coming in like two weeks after and putting their own version up and it just feels like, I don't know, I don't think many people care, but like as a social media person, like uh, working in the space, I'm like, that just took way too long. It's like not as relevant anymore. And like everything's moving so much more quickly. Like that is a perfect example of something like in the category for most companies, it, that part of the process of like, you have the autonomy to like put our spin on that and go. Um, so yeah, building trust where it should already be and having a process in place to assess like, where, where, where folks can just move without approval. Brian, there is no doubt that you are bringing us to school in this Social Pros episode. I mean, that's such great advice and something I think, you know, if anyone who's a brand leader is listening, again, if, if we're not agile and we're not quick, it just can become a little cringeworthy if we're not, yeah. you know, if we're not taking, taking that opportunity. But on the topic of school, you do teach on, in addition to, you know, owning and being a marketing consultant, um, you do teach future marketers and would just love to hear, you know, how you got into that, into that side of it. Um, again, it's, it's just super, it's such a great gift that you can not only be teaching us all on LinkedIn and, and here today, but um, you teach students as well. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Um, so uh, I initially, uh, going back to personal branding, I, you know, it was really um, 
initially I, I wanted to teach uh, as an adjunct instructor at NYU. I was at New York at the time and I saw other colleagues doing it. And I, uh, something that's really worked well for me in my career is just trying all different kinds of things. I don't think this is that, that novel, just trying all different things, all different packaging of what I do as a marketer, what I can provide in marketing. So teaching, doing self-paced online courses, you know, whatever it may be. So I was like, let's try it. I think if nothing, if I don't like it and it doesn't go well, if it's a good like um, trust signal to work with me as a, as a consultant. Um, and I ended up loving it. Uh, so I just basically pitched myself to do the basic process for, 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 um, getting an adjunct role was, um, getting in touch with the admin at some university and potentially doing some guest lectures so that you come in and they see that you can, uh, that you, they want two things is having some expertise somewhere. So in this case, marketing, and then can you actually communicate that? to people can you teach it because there there is a disconnect sometimes where it's like uh someone may have an expertise but they can't communicate clearly and understand how to break it into tangible sections and whatnot so anyways that was the process um and then i really enjoyed it uh, i still really enjoy it uh it's part of the mix of stuff uh that i spend my time on so um r- right now i do linkedin learning courses which are kind of one type of teaching um, I do higher ed, uh, adjuncting. So, um, I just taught at, uh, Francisco Marquin university in Guatemala. Um, I got to luckily go there in person, uh, this summer and teach in person for two weeks. I was doing remotely for them. Um, and it's great. I, uh, continue to grow as a marketer. I get to, to super rewarding to see the individual get the impact from marketing as opposed to the company. Uh, of course, I want anyone I work with to do well, of course, but seeing an individual get that aha moment is a lot more uh, fulfilling. Um, yeah, and it helps me just like continually contextualize what marketing means and understand how to explain it further. Um, and then also I'm, I'm learning, you know, all my students at Francisco Marquin University are, are early 20s and like observing them and seeing their reactions to stuff like they all hated the exercise and whatever, it could be a lot of factors here, but they all hated the exercise of making marketing personas. It felt way too slow. Uh, they thought it was just dull. They were like, whatever, our audience is, you know, mothers with this income bracket, let's move on. Uh, so maybe there's, there's a, you know, maybe I got to teach it in a more exciting way or approach it. But anyways, I, I found it interesting to see which aspects they're really excited about. Um, because most of their experience with marketing is being on the other side, being the consumer. So them like going behind the scenes is always a, a fascinating kind of learning experience. So it's been great. It's something I plan on doing uh, for the rest of my career is kind of a part of the pie. I always feel like you know you're good at your job if you can teach it effectively to other people. And uh, so it is a gift, but it is also, re- it's a good reminder that I do actually understand what I'm doing and uh, I know it so well, I feel, you know, empowered and uh, able to teach others and bring them along the journey too, which is always a good feeling. And I feel like as a professor, you're actually going to have a particularly good perspective on at least one of our two final questions. We could talk about this for uh, a lot longer, but we're going to 
uh, let you go. Before we do that, we're going to ask the same questions. We ask every guest, uh, 500 plus guests at this point who have been on social pros. Are you ready for the final two questions? Let's do I think it. I call you professor at this point. Oh, uh, great. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Uh, okay. First question. If you could give one piece of advice to anyone who wants to become a social pro, what would it be? Uh, to put your ideas uh, out there into the public in a consistent manner. That's one of the, I've seen so many people succeed in the social media space, whether they're a creator or just like a consultant or a freelancer in the space or working brand side. When they, when you put your ideas out there and you like, whether it's having your own podcast, tweeting, writing articles, that is like one of the best ways to continue to learn, engage others to have discourse with you, sh uh, showcase your ideas instead of so a nice opportunity to show versus tell. So yeah, I would say get your ideas out there publicly, like sooner rather than later in a consistent, in a consistent format. It doesn't have to be great. It just has to be you. I, I love, love that, that vulnerability. Yeah. I think that the vulnerability of just being yourself is so much of it. And again, we talked a lot about imposter syndrome. That's such a key to overcoming it. It's just being vulnerable. We're all in the same boat. Yes. Same stream. Um, great advice. Uh, second question. If you could have a video call with any living, not to be confused with non-living, any living person, who would it be? I would definitely uh, hop on a Zoom call with RuPaul. RuPaul is the most famous drag queen in the world. And um, she is a marketing, you know, maven, really. The fact that in society at the time, the 90s, when her first single came out, a drag queen getting a top track, what is a drag queen for a lot of people in society, the fact that she broke out, uh, marketed herself consistently is absolutely fascinating. Um, so yeah, I would talk to her. We have so much to talk about. Uh, so that would be really informative to gossip about culture and, and funny stuff. And then also I'd just love to hear her thoughts on, um, kind of marketing now versus then, um, someone in another interview asked her. So she, her main thing was like TV and uh, breaking through with music was the initial like inflection point for her career. Now she's very widely known for RuPaul's Drag Race, which is a big, you know, reality TV show. But she said, if, if the interviewer asked her, if you had to break out now, like start fresh, where, what channel would you start on? Um, she said YouTube. She said, if I was going to go on anywhere, I would start on YouTube it's the best place for an individual to really like showcase a range of talents and enough time, right? You can do whatever skits on their music, whatever. Obviously there's all different kinds of places, but I found that uh, fascinating as a marketer, but it, it makes sense as a, you know, a talent, uh, as talent to try to make it there. So anyways, RuPaul would be my number one. Such a good choice because we spent so much time talking about personal branding and literally, I think RuPaul might be the personal branding OG. And I think she has a new show coming out that is like a singing competition, too. So big and bad things, you know, amazing things happening over there as as well. The personal branding continues. I think we should all keep paying attention. 
I want to see her on TikTok. I think I need to spend a little bit more time seeing how that might be leveraged. <laughs> she's there. She's there. She um, is at the point in the career where it's like there's yeah, she's there, but like it's not like it's not a big focus. She's like I, she's got a lot of uh, things things cooking, but she'll do like the transition stuff and react to other drag queens that have got popular from the show. Just really smart, like for that's a smart marketing thing. You're further building up other talent that got their start from your entertainment property. So check it out; it's interesting. So cool. That's what legends are made of, right? Just like yeah. really celebrating the success of others. Awesome, awesome uh, person to have a live interview with. Well, Brian Honigman, thank you so much for sharing all of your really cool tips, tricks, experience across LinkedIn, personal branding, freelancing, consulting, teaching, social media trending, you name it. Um, we just really appreciate your time and, and your talent with us today. Thank you for having me. It was great, great chat. And I uh, can't wait to come on again in the future. Absolutely. We would love to have you. And again, we want to hear all about, again, all your um, all your teaching and what some of your future students might be doing, because I have a sneaky suspicion um, they're going to see a lot of success in their careers with your guidance. But thank you, Social and Pros listeners, for joining us week after week. We'll be back next week with another episode of what we hope is your favorite podcast in the whole wide world, Social Pros. Social Pros.